Ephesians 1 verse 7, it says this, and Ephesians is an interesting book. To me, it's, it's a unique book by the way it writes to the, this group of people. And um, so if we've gone through the verses before, you can get caught up, uh, you know, online. But Ephesians 1 verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us, this is verse 8, in all wisdom and in all prudence, or prudence would be carefulness. In other words, God was super calculated uh, and careful about how he got this to us. And so it says there in that last part of the verse, he made it abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, or according to his purpose and his plan, he made this stuff to super abound toward the believer and actually to the world too. People need to know that, that there is something that has abounded toward them. There is something, you know, because some people think God is against them. Some people think God's mad at them. And, but this is from God, and it has abounded toward us. And could something abound toward us, and we not even know it and live our whole life like it wasn't even toward us, like it wasn't even for us, like it wasn't even ours? And that is a fact, because we know there are lost people that will live their whole life like there is no Savior, like there is no Lord, that there is no afterlife, that there is no eternal life to be received, and they'll live that way. And they'll cuss and use the Lord's name in vain, but they'll be so close, but yet so far. And He made it abound toward them, but He made it abound toward us too. And so we could have something abounding toward us and not even know. You know, I, I am notorious when I buy a phone to not read anything about it and just use the stuff that I want to use and that's it. And then I'll run across people and people here in the church and they'll do something and they maybe have the exact same phone as me and they'll do something and I'll say, wow, that's kind of cool. What kind of phone do you have? Oh, you know, I won't just admit it out loud, but I'll go, huh, I got the same phone they do. That means I can do what they do. Because they have what I have, but I haven't been living like I had it. You know, one of the cool things about my phone, you can shake it one way and the flashlight will go on. Shake it another way and the camera will go on. I never knew that, and I saw somebody do it and thought, wow, that's cool. I wish I had that all the time I had it. Now, I confidently use it all the time. I didn't know I had it. Had the phone. Could, could I have, you know, how many of us, you know, because of the way phones come and go now, have your phone for a couple of years, be in and out of it, get another phone, because you thought, well, this just uh, doesn't do it, and then come to find out you already had stuff in there and you lived your whole existence of that phone and never experienced the blessing, or the benefit of it. Somebody's like, I feel like I should leave and read about my phone. That's not the point. The point is, is there stuff in your existence as a believer that if you're not told, you maybe would never walk in it or know that you already had it 
or you knew about it, but you thought, well, man, I don't know if I can upgrade or pay that much to get that. Didn't even know you already had it. It was already yours. You with me? And, And maybe you sat and heard stuff and heard stuff and never heard it. Just didn't hear that part. You know, because there are some people who don't teach lies. They just don't teach some of the truth. And there's a big difference. And so we need to look at this and we need to see these things and, and, and realize what is what from the Bible. And when we see things right, it'll take us from being a beggar and trying to make God do something to realizing I already got something and I can do something about it. There's, it's a huge difference. You know, I hear people say, you know, you talk to them and they, they just say, well, I prayed and I just left it in God's hands and didn't know what he wanted to do. And so this bad thing happened and I just guessed it. You know, they didn't say I guess They were confident and that was God. And the sad thing about it is, you know, they might be grieving at the moment they tell you this and you just can't say, that's wrong. You just comfort them and think if they could learn the truth it could change their existence amen ready seventh verse in him these verses we talked about this we're going to see this reoccurring if you become a student of the bible which every christian should be Everybody should study to show themselves approved unto God. You know, one who divides the word of God. You're going to see terms like this in him. As a matter of fact, you can just read down to the 11th verse. It says in him. Verse 13, it says in him. If you go back, uh, it talks about in him and in whom. And you'll see that phrase again and again about being in him or in Jesus. And here is something you can notice and you should notice when you read, and it it will unlock your thinking. Many things are closed off to the believer because their mind is closed off. Even though God would like to get it to them, their minds are closed to certain things. They've somewhere become persuaded that that, you know, I'm just not strong enough to get that. I'm just not good enough to have that. That's just not for me. That's just not for everyone. And somewhere unconsciously or subconsciously, maybe unconsciously, uh, maybe unconscious, they just don't recognize and so they just read over things and it doesn't register on their spirit because their mind is closed on a subject. And one thing you're going to notice when you see the terms in him or through him or by him, meaning through Jesus, in Jesus, there will always be connected to it. This is important. A present tense statement of fact or a past tense statement of fact. Oh, thank you. Meaning it's so now or it was taken care of and is so now. But it was taken care of in the past. That will help you uh, in your walk with God. Mm, Huge. As a matter of fact, it is the platform by which faith will work. And if you don't get this down, you're going to struggle with your faith with God, and you're going to struggle trying to walk in things because you will be trying to get instead of believing you have or he has done something already about it. 
And if you're not persuaded that way, then you're going to try to use your faith to make God give you something. You're already off base. You with me? Faith blossoms and grows when you see these things as either present tense facts or past tense facts. Right? We tell people all the time, Jesus died for everybody. And he already did something about it. What it is, is when you find that out, then somebody's faith can work and they can receive Jesus and act on that truth and the reality comes in their life like that. But they cannot believe the fact that God may save some and not everybody because what happens is then they'll think, well, maybe I can do good enough or believe hard enough to make him do this. You know, I'm praying hard. Man, you shouldn't just pray hard. Some people could hardly pray and get more results than praying hard if you knew what was already yours. And you thought like it and saw yourself like it and saw the absoluteness of it. Ready? In him, notice this, we have redemption. We, we, aren't you glad he didn't say some have redemption? We, every believer, has that notice that, not going to get, we have redemption. We have redemption. That's important to get your thinking like that. I have it now. What is this redemption that you already have, whether you like it or not? Man, if we could just, you know... You ever got frustrated with people and thought, man, somebody just should shake them? T tell them. If we could just pound this truth into you. If you're saved, you have redemption. You have been bought back completely from all of darkness. Everything of the fall, everything of Satan, everything of a messed up life, you have been bought out. You've been redeemed. You're not where you once were. Now, you might physically be there, but spiritually, if you're saved, you're not there anymore. Period. You, you may have received the Lord and you drive home to the same place and go to the same job, but you are not there anymore. You have, not gonna be, have been redeemed. You've been bought back. You've been ransomed out. You've been taken out of. Period. Problem is, maybe we have too many Beverly Hillbilly Christians you know what I mean by that? That was a great show when we grew up. And, you know, the Beverly Hillbillies, man, they became rich, rich, rich. But the problem was they even got out of the hills, but the hills never got out of them. And so they had a hillbilly mentality, and they wore a dorky old hat, you know. Might have been comfortable. And, you know, they just didn't benefit from everything they had. They didn't, for some reason, their thinking just stayed the same. 
I mean, there were things that they would, you know, get a steal and moonshine, make alcohol so they could have their moonshine. Granny could. They had enough money. There's a liquor store down the street. Not trying to endorse that, but you understand. They're, they're doing stuff. They, with all the money they had, they wouldn't have had to hunt the neighborhood cats. They could have meat delivered. But they just had a wrong mentality, and they had an inheritance. You know, some things you just got to give up on. Some people just need to give up on some ways of thinking. You with me? In him we have redemption. How? How did I get bought back out of the hand of the enemy and out of all of darkness and out from under all evil? And if you're praying, God, I want this so bad, I need this, you've missed the point. You need to believe you have it. Because he said you do. But we have so renewed our minds to think we don't until we see something. When he said, you were changed, you've been redeemed, you've been bought from all this. You've been redeemed. Notice this. In him you have redemption. Through his blood. The forgiveness, and in the Greek it's really the remission, it's the removal of sin. How many people don't think right about this? So something they did 20 years ago still haunts them because they did something stupid that was absolutely sin, but they don't act like God remitted it, and they keep begging him. You know what really it comes down to? Is the work can be done, but the mentality that's old, the enemy tries to take advantage and get you to think wrong and to think certain ways and believe you're this way, and to believe that that thing is still there. And if, if you really do good enough, then, you know, God will let that go. You have redemption through his blood. There's no mention of redemption through you. And so he said there's redemption through his blood, the forgiveness or remission or removal of sins, according to the riches of his grace. In other words, according to the greatness of what he provided, what he paid for, you have this period. You have this. It's an absolute redemption from the power of the enemy. It said, which he made to abound toward. He made it abound to you. He poured this out on you. He poured this out on the world. It, I mean, think about it. It's been poured out for the world. It got poured out through Jesus to everybody. We have it, and we just need to know about it because it's not just poured out to us. We actually have it by virtue of the new birth when we gave our lives to the Lord. And he said, which he made to abound toward us, that's all of us. He poured it out to you in all wisdom. It means in skillful in action, he poured it out. And in, in all prudence or carefulness, he was very calculated when he poured this out for you. The Bible said when the fullness of time came, Jesus came in the flesh and he did this work. 
He was very calculated how he did it. He was very calculated toward everything. I mean, how he lived his life, everything that happened, how he suffered on the cross, and what he did in that work, it's done. This is poured out. It's not going to get more poured out to you. You just need to surrender your own mentality to his mentality. Surrender your own way of thinking when you get saved to his way of thinking. Okay, you said I've got this redemption. You said it's complete and I'm bought back. If there's anything you could do if you're a saved person when you leave here today is begin to think like, well, he, he said it, not the preacher. I'm just repeating what he said. I have it. I'm different. I gave my life to the Lord. I am changed. I'm changed spiritually. I have a complete redemption because of what Jesus did. Turn to Hebrews, the the second chapter. Hebrews, the second chapter. Jesus came to do a work not for himself, but to redeem you or to buy you back to himself. And I don't mean just a little bit. I mean completely out from underneath the control of the devil. But so many people are taught the devil, he's wicked, he's, be afraid of the devil. And people don't even know that when they gave their lives to the Lord, they got put right into the kingdom of God, they got put into the family of God, they got put into the body of Christ, and all devil powers, wicked powers are subject to you because you're in the body. But people don't resist it because they think, well, I'm trying to get something from God. Instead of saying, no, devil, you get, and you have a right. It's amazing to me in my walk over the years, and I'm not trying to scare anybody, not trying to sow something into people's minds, how many people, I heard about this again a week ago. I've heard this from when I first got saved. How many people live in the world, saved and unsaved, who go to bed at night and stuff happens in their room that's supernatural, but by devils, people getting choked at night, people having stuff like that, Cause, and they don't know. And it's serious. I mean people today and people who don't even believe. Man, I'd believe in something if that was happening to me. And Christians, good people, live attacked like that at night. And they don't know what to do. And they pray to God. And they're wasting their time. Somebody said, you, what do you mean you're wasting time talking to God? Because he said, resist the devil and he'd flee from you. How can you resist him unless you're already freed from him? Some people are talking to God instead of making a stand saying, I'm already redeemed. I've been bought back. You have no right here in Jesus' name you get. I've talked to people who've been choked at night, have stuff happen to them at night, that they learn these things, and on their own, they got rid of stuff. Because what happens is, long before the night comes, the thoughts start coming. The devil starts feeding them. Long before problems come, the devil starts cultivating things in your mind. You're going to go to bed tonight. And he's trying to get you in fear. So when you go to bed, you're already afraid. Then you go to sleep, and you're already anticipating. 
Why are you anticipating that? You are completely delivered from the hand of the devil. You have a new Lord. He's just trying to operate through fear. But that works in so many areas. I've seen people who couldn't sleep because of that stuff, and they've lived like that for years. People are ashamed of stuff like that. They won't talk about it. Then you go to talking about it, and it's amazing who tells you, uh, yeah, I've had that, or I know someone who had that. And it's the easiest thing to deal with. But he tries to set people up in fear. He'll try to set you up in fear for other things. And you have a complete redemption, and you have a right to say no to fear. You get from me. In Jesus' name, I'm redeemed. You have a right. So we say, oh, I don't know about that. Hey, we're going to read through the book of Ephesians, I believe. Not, not today. But you get over into the fourth chapter, and it says, do not give a place to the devil. He told you don't. In the sixth chapter, he said, you can stand against every attack of the enemy and prevail. And so we're talking about a redemption. He's talking about a redemption from all the wicked powers of the enemy. Jesus did this so you could make a stand and live free. You with me? I mean totally, absolutely free. So when fear tries to get you, you can say, no. How many people don't enjoy life because of fear? And don't, don't even enjoy a good night's sleep? And all kinds of other things. And if they were saved, and then they found out they could rise up and stand against it, and they would walk around with backbone if they found out, and they'd think, I've been bullied my whole life. You know, people talk about bullying, being bullied on the playground. There are people who get bullied outside the playground, and besides that, you could use your authority there too. Hebrews, the second chapter, the 14th verse. Insomuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood. In other words, people live in a physical body. That's all he's saying. Just, just like you and me, people live in a physical body. He himself likewise shared in the same. Who? Jesus came in a physical body just like you and just like me. That through death, he came to die. And he came to die not for himself, but to die for you. He got ahead of the game, did the work to get us free from some stuff. And it says, he himself, I'm sorry, partakers, let me read it again, insomuch then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood. He himself likewise shared in the same. That. The purpose was so that through death, his physical death, he might destroy him. The devil's been destroyed. The devil works through fear. The devil works through intimidation. And the devil works through lies. So I are exposing him. Anybody could do this. 
I mean, you could teach your kids when they have bad dreams at night to resist them and say, you don't even have to call mommy and daddy. God's with you, and we're going to do this in Jesus' name. Leave now. You can go back to sleep. Why don't you teach? You could teach your kid that. And you could teach them in a fearful world that they can put their attention on the Lord and they can live in peace and know that they're free just like you're free. Notice this. That through death, physical death, he might destroy him who had the power of death. Now that's spiritual death because everything came through spiritual death. That is the devil. This redemption is a complete redemption. Jesus did the work when he shed his blood and he destroyed him who had the power of death. Spiritual death was the doorway by which the enemy got access into your life. Poverty came that way. Sickness and disease came that way. Every ill of humanity came through man sinning, Adam, and then this nature of spiritual death came and they became a magnet to it, to all the junk. All the junk. That's why redemption is complete. We've been sealed. We got life in us now. The death is gone. That was the magnet. I mean, there are just some things that attract flies. Dead meat. You with me? Dead meat attracts flies. And you aren't dead meat. You're alive in Christ. They may pester you. But I don't know, I've watched adults and kids be able to just, when a fly comes around, go get, get. And sometimes a fly will persist. And you say, get. Go land on somebody else. You with me? They'll go land on some dead meat and eat some dead meat. But you aren't sticking around on me. Get. And you shoo them away. Well, when the devil comes, you ought to shoo him away. He's called the Lord of the fly, Beelzebub. You with me? He is defeated. So you can shoo him away. You with me? So it says here, and release those who through fear of death, that's spiritual death, the things of spiritual death, sin is a result of spiritual death. How many people are afraid they might get addicted to something? How many people are afraid that they're going to have to live in an addiction and they can start resisting fear? You, you, because he released us. Our redemption is a release. And release those who through fear of death, we're all, you could say fear of sickness, fear of poverty, what are you going to do? The economy's turning again. Well, I ain't going to turn my attention to it. Because he'll plant those seeds of fear. You can resist that. What are you doing when you're resisting? What are you doing when you're resisting? You have a right to what I'm about to say. You're resisting an image that he's trying to place as fact in your life. He, he's putting an image there. You're going to be broke. You're going to be poor. You're not going to be blessed. You're not going to walk in his best. He's trying to leave a picture he hasn't forgive you. So he's trying to leave an image 
that you are still guilty and he already paid for it. So when you resist, what are you redoing? You're resisting his image that paralyzes you. Amen? So if he says you're still sick and the Lord says you've been healed, then you resist that because he's trying to make an image stay that you don't have what he said you do have. Because it's a complete, complete redemption. I knew you guys would be thrilled about this. And, and anybody can do it. If you have authority over flies, I mean, think of the fun we have killing flies. I mean, it's one of the few things people aren't, don't kill that animal, that insect, put it outside. People aren't that way about flies. You know, people pick the wings off and then they call them a walk or a hop instead of a fly because they'll run around now. I mean, you can go to Walmart and get a tennis racket that has electrical current in it and go and zonk them. And then you get little guns that have a little thing. And people are just like, I could deal with flies. You can deal with the devil too. Amen. You can deal with him too. Amen. You can find something else because I'm not dead. Amen. Maggots growing dead stuff. I'm alive. You can go cultivate somewhere else and you can resist his images. I, I resist that. I am a faithful person. God is working in me. How many people have bought the lie? That the devil came and said, you don't hear from God. And they get an image stays. Instead of resisting that and saying, no, every child hears from God. He deals with all of us. That would include me. Get. What are you doing? You're telling him to take his lies and beat it. Right? Michael Jackson didn't invent that song. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime. When you fear the death, you get subject to it. So you can resist the fear of it and know you've been bought back. You have been. Notice this in Psalms 107 too. This actually was in one of the teachings that I wrote the outline for when we were in Honduras. So if you say, well, I wonder what they taught down there. Well... This was one of many verses that we read. Psalms 107. And we'll begin to read in verse 1, even though we want to get to verse 2. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Okay, if you're writing notes, oh, give thanks to the Lord. That's a good point. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. We gave you an opportunity this morning to, oh, oh, give thanks to the Lord. No, oh, give thanks to the Lord. For, he's good. It's good to be reminded of that. For, his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord cry. No, let him say so. In whom we have. You have it, so say so. Say it. Well, what if he says you don't? It's just him trying to poke his image to say you don't have. And say, I resist you in Jesus' name. Don't let him take advantage of you by, you know, saying certain things and then just leaving that image there. 
that doesn't belong to you, that's not yours. I mean, I've gone to movies before and got up and walked out because of the image. Have you ever gone to a movie and been there long enough that you leave and you feel yucky after? You're like, whoa. Just because you feel yucky after does not mean that's you. You left because you knew that wasn't what you were about. And sometimes he wants to play a movie in your mind. You say, no, in Jesus' name, and get your attention on something else. And if the thought persists, that doesn't mean that's who you are. That doesn't mean that, oh, he's got an advantage over you. Just learn to ignore him like you did your parents when you grew up. I mean, except for the good kids who obeyed their parents, right? Learn to use the principles you know in the right place. Some people are good at ignoring. And the minute the devil says something, they start screaming, Oh, he said something. Ignore him. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That doesn't mean walk around going so, 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 so. No, it means say I'm redeemed. I'm bought back. And if there's just something persistent that says you don't, no, I resist that. I am redeemed. And say it. And say so. Whom the Lord, whom he or the Lord has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. In whom we have redemption. Let's close right here in 2 Peter. 2 Peter we're going to close with these verses. It's important for us to hear certain things again and again and again and again. Paul talked about that, about hearing and saying stuff again and again. You know, I've heard people say things like, well, I've heard what they have to say, and I'm beyond that now. I'm looking for something else. But the fact of the matter is there are certain things you don't need to ever get beyond. And if you ever think I need to get beyond there, you may be missing it altogether. I didn't say you were. I said you might be. Don't know the situation. But there's some things you must hear again and again. They help us to maintain a certain position and place in the Lord. Right? We should hear about speaking in tongues and being filled with the Spirit. Because sometimes people after a while, they go, oh, what? I, I forgot all. I need to do that. We need to talk about our redemption because people forget about it. The Bible said we're to give them more earnest or real good attention to these things lest at any time they slip. But do you know there is something that can keep them from slipping? Peter did it, and we're going to look at this. 2 Peter 1, we're going to look at it, I guess, once I get to it. Verse, um, we'll start in verse 12. For this reason, I will not neglect to remind you. You need to be reminded you have been redeemed. You need to be reminded you've been 
completely bought back from the hand of the enemy. You need to be reminded that you've been delivered from spiritual death, the thing that brings all the ills of humanity on mankind. You need to know that because the devil's still here and trying to take advantage of people, but you have a complete redemption, and you need to know it. And he said this, For this reason I will not neglect to remind you always. Man, is he going to teach about that again? He said to te- He said he did it. And he reminded them always of these things. Though you know and are established in the present truth. He said, yes, I think it is right. As long as I am in this tent or in this body. To stir up your pure mind. Why did he want them to do that? Verse 15, or why did he want to keep stirring them up and teaching certain truths to them again and again? Why is it important to hear week after week? Why is it important for us to have a time with God ourselves? Notice this, verse 15, moreover, I will be careful to ensure by this reminder that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease or my departure. His goal was to change the way they thought So that after he was long gone, they were still thinking a certain way. And in this case, that you are redeemed. What if you go on vacation for two or three months and you're out of town? We have winter visitors in our church that some of them leave during the winter or the winter, the summer, and are here for our winter, which is like a summer to most people, you know. And um, they'll be here for a time, but what if they go somewhere and they're traveling or stuff, it would be good for them to have a reminder so they're thinking right the whole time they're gone. What about when you take a two-week vacation or a three-week vacation? What about during Monday through Saturday? God wants you to be reminded and think in a certain way. What kind of way does He want you to think? He wants you to think like you're His, like you're redeemed, like you have something, like you are different. So you can always think this way. How about when you pray? He wants you to think this way when you pray. He wants you to think this way when the devil comes knocking. And tries to poke a picture in you of how it's not going to be and how it's supposed to be this way. And you say, let me clear my voice. Get in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Because you have a thought, and it works. Amen? Some of it, you're just tearing down images of lies that he's put up in you, or somehow you believe something and thought a certain way about yourself, but don't have to be that way. 